0: Welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza. And I have a special encore appearance from Dr. Roxana Roshan today. You may remember Roxana's show, Permission to Laugh, Love, and Live, from just a few weeks ago. And Roxana and I were talking at the end of that show. And we began talking about something that is of profound importance to her and profound cultural importance to me. And I know that you are going to enjoy hearing all about it today. We began, and I'll I'll read Roxana's intro in a moment, but we began talking about native healing traditions From Mexico, specifically the Mexica healing tradition from the Valley of Mexico. Now, Roxana will tell you all about that, but let me read this intro from Roxana. And again, let's invite you to listen to that show from a couple of weeks ago. Permission to laugh, live, and have fun, please, right? Let's all do that. So, Roxana is formerly educated in botany ecology, toxicology, and environmental biology, yet has been studying and practicing energy medicine for more than 10 years. She made this switch as a result of her own healing journey in which her chronic allergies, asthma, and immune system imbalances were cleared. Roxana was first introduced to the Mexica healing tradition in November 2012 when a friend lent her the book 2012 to 2021 The Dawn of the Sixth Sun by Sergio Magana. This book contained the first healing meditation that Roxana embraced and was able to complete. After reading this book, Roxana and her husband traveled to Mexico in February 2013 and 2014. Both times they pursued spiritual, historical, and cultural training derived from the Mexica, including the Toltec and Nahuatl cultures, as offered by the Centro Energético Integral. In addition, their teachers traveled to Ontario, where she's from, to provide additional training in waking and sleeping dream techniques, plus healing with the elements and nature. Roxana understands that life is a balance between the heavy and light emotions. As we evolve as a species, humanity is ready for more love, light, play, laughter, acceptance, joy, and understanding in our lives. And I couldn't agree more. Roxana, welcome back.
1: Thank you. It's wonderful to be doing this again.
0: This is so much fun. And thank you for mentioning the Mexica healing traditions at the end of the show last time. If you had not mentioned that, then we certainly wouldn't be here. And we certainly wouldn't be exposing the listeners to a real, not well known, but very in depth healing tradition. So, you were, you started this journey in 2012 when a friend lent you the book. So tell us a little bit more about the book and what your experience was there.
1: So um, this friend came over one evening and he offered two healing techniques, one to myself and to my husband. And with those healing techniques, both myself and my husband went, whoa, this is powerful. And so our friend was exposed to the book and this teacher when this teacher came to Ontario. And so that first time Sergio was in Ontario, we didn't go, but we came and we experienced these healing techniques and it was like, oh my gosh, we have to read this book. Mm -hmm. So I read the book first and then my husband read the book and then it's like, we both need to go do more training and they offer the training in Mexico three times a year. And um, we've been there twice in February. And it's just so powerful and so transformative. And so with that first meditation, it's like I've been exposed to other meditation practices and I could do them for a while and quiet my mind. And then, you know, other things would come back in and I'd lose track of it and get off sync. And so with the first meditation that stuck. It was because there was actually a pattern to it. So you would do the meditation for 13 days, and then you would give yourself an eight-day break. And then that was a 21-day cycle. And then you would keep repeating that. And to me, I really valued that eight-day break because it gave you time to be human again, right? Just to, you know, sleep in in the morning or catch up on something else. And I also really found the healing was so powerful to mm. me because it connects us to the cosmos, to the earth, to our ancestors, to ourselves, to nature. And it, so it gave my mind something to focus on. So you'd focus on the breath. Then you'd focus on which movement you were in and it would really give you the focus in a meditative way. And each sort of stanza within the meditation was to clear ancestral patterns or to clear your own karmic patterns. And you'd go through these clearings and I really noticed differences and shifts and changes and I would you know, actually I would get up and do that meditation with the dawn. And for me before that, it was like, no, I need to sleep in or, you know, find other reasons to avoid the other meditations. And this one, it was like, I put it in my calendar and it was like, okay, today's day two, today's day three and work through them. And then yay, tomorrow's the, the break starts, right? So you'd always have the next cycle to look forward to, the next break, and you kept repeating it until certain things were shifted and released.
0: Okay, well now, this brings up a lot of of questions here. When your friend introduced you to these healing techniques by loaning you the book, had you had a lot of connection with Mexico?
1: Um, Before I was lent the book, I'd been to Mexico once in like 1992, sort of on a school field trip. Um, And at that time, Mexico wasn't meshing and it was really different. Whereas this time, there was just the energetic connection. And to me, it always felt like because we were connecting back to the traditions and the culture it wasn't just a superficial trip where you're sitting on a beach. And I I honestly, that first trip, I felt very uncomfortable because of the dichotomy between the wealthy and the not so wealthy.
0: Uh, yes. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, part of the trip was down to Acapulco and you've got mm. resorts and you've got, you know, these wealthy enclosures, mm-hmm. and then you've got people living in little shanties and shacks and, so I was really very uncomfortable that first trip. This, so that was 92 to 2012. So in those 20 years, I'd already started my healing journey. And so with that, it actually gave perspective to what was going on in Mexico as a country, what was going on in the culture. And the Sergio honored the fact that 2012 was what the first time that this information was allowed to be shared rather than so when the Spaniards came so 500 years ago ish um the culture and the traditions and the healing and the spirituality it sort of went underground okay it became this very oral tradition that you know grandparents would pass down to their grandchildren and so with this period in the Aztec calendar in the calendar of the Mexica in which between 2012 and 2021 is the transition phase between the the fifth sun which we've been in for a long long time and the sixth sun so in the fifth sun was when humanity went through their bullying phase and had lots of wars and criticizing each other and picking on, on each other and creating cliques and you know just being not very pleasant and the sixth sun is in new age language it's the dawn of enlightenment the age of aquarius that kind of thing and as we move forward into the sixth sun that's when humanity learns to heal our shadow our heavy pieces our heavy emotions and move forward with lightness love, understanding, compassion, acceptance. And we're bringing forward these lighter emotions and bringing balance. The way I was taught in the Western view of things, the heavy emotions are meant to be pushed down, right? As a girl, as a child, I was told to stop crying or teased for crying. So you push down the sadness or whatever's creating the emotion. And then it wasn't until I was in my 20s and 30s that realize, no, I need to honor these emotions. There are reasons mm-hmm. to be sad. yeah. And, and in our Western culture, it's like it's ignored or it's put down versus being let's celebrate or let's understand where those heavy emotions are coming from. Mm-hmm. And then we can heal them and move forward.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a really, really important cultural dynamic that... Um, that we just can't ignore uh, and, and that applies for everybody in, in, in North America men or women there are certain emotions that society we were we're taught to suppress or that we should never have them including sadness um, compassion sometimes even joy to be perfectly honest which is why right. people oh. need to listen to our last show <laughs> <laughs> right
1: in, in the western culture both ends of this emotional scale are frowned upon and so yeah i really loved that in this mashika culture it's about balance it's Mm -hmm. about finding the the balance between the heavy and the light and there's i'm using some words that are very important to point out here Mm -hmm. i'm calling the emotions heavier and lighter because in the western world we talk about negative and positive we talk about bad and good. Mm-hmm. and Those are judgmental words.
0: Right.
1: Those are words that actually say it's bad to feel sad or it's bad to cry when you scrape your knee versus acknowledging there are times when tears and sadness are appropriate and there are times when joy is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked how they just call them heavy and light versus negative and bad and good and positive. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. Um, Language really, really matters and it it, it truly does and I find so many things, so many components of this interesting. The timing, number one, you were introduced to this book in November 2012. Well, everybody's, everybody is probably listening to this thinking, okay, December 21st, 2012, well, that was commonly referred to as the end of the world so uh, you know say some more if you don't mind about about that whole dynamic because here we are eight years later and we're still here so the the gloom and doom never happened but you know, what's really going on with that
1: so in the mashika tradition death hasn't been looked at the way it is in a western culture death isn't yeah necessary an ending and it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. in the hieroglyphs that the spaniards came over and translated and interpreted they translated death to mean their view as in life ends humanity ends mm-hmm. versus looking at death as being a change so a caterpillar dies when the butterfly hatches right so that's a transformation that's the death of the caterpillar as it transforms into the butterfly is an analogy of the death of the old way humans lived as this new way we can live comes forward Mm -hmm. and so in indigenous cultures and here, this is not just the Mexica culture. This is a lot of indigenous cultures. They also considered the dream state equivalent to a death state yeah. because our physical body, we lay down and we sleep, and we have our unconscious, our subconscious comes forward with all of these stories and all of these patterns that it shares with us. And we're not dying, mm-hmm. but we're in this other world this other state and so to me that's also part of the stories and legends that have come forward is the misinterpretation of the wording that death meant the end of humanity versus the change and shifting and the transformation from being human in one way to being human in this whole new and exciting way
0: Yeah, I I love that. I mean, the timing of this is, is is inescapable. I know you feel that way too. And and you know, what the the term that a number of listeners might might be familiar with is the Tibetan term bardo, uh, a gap, literally a gap. In other words, a continuation of existence, life force from one state to another. Same thing we're, that we're talking about here. So, you know, why do you suppose that you were lent this book November of 2012?
1: Um, for me, everything happens for a reason. hmm Right, there, there, everything unfolds the way we need it to. Yeah. So it was like the right time on my journey, the right time for this friend. We're still in touch with a friend and talk about this stuff all the time. And it was really interesting because the friend was originally planning to go in February of 2013, and then they didn't. Mm -hmm. There Mm -hmm. came up in their life, and they chose not to go at that point. So it was like we needed to go for us and to open us up to this new way of being.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, so you went... In 2013, in February, Uh, describe some of the the personal transformation that you underwent there.
1: Um, Well, so with this being a spiritual pilgrimage, Mm -hmm. we were based out of Mexico City, and from Mexico City, we went to various locations, various historic sites, various sacred sites within driving distance of Mexico City. And... At each site, we learned about the techniques and practices that were used at those sites 500 years and longer ago. So for example, one of my favorites was Tula, which is the place of no time, in which I could actually at that moment feel time stopping and see past events that had happened in the past, I was intuitively seeing and feeling what life would have been like 500 plus years ago, right? It was very powerful, the energy of that site, the, the practices, the techniques we did there to allow time to change. So what I've, always, I've been interested in time for, for a while because time is really a human construct. That humans invented the clock. Nature has time in terms of seasons, time of the day, phases of the moon, but things aren't as rigid as like, you know, things have to start at nine o'clock on the nose, right? They're they're more fluid.
0: Right.
1: So being at Tula and understanding the fluidity of time and how quantum physics is coming forward to address that time is more it ebbs and flows it's to me i always visualize it more like an infinity symbol like the number eight in which it crosses itself and it can go backwards and forwards and it slows down at different times and so the lineage the knowledge from the past is coming forward and yet it's so appropriate for today
0: Yeah, well, and I think it's very interesting that after the Spanish took over in the 1500s that all of these teachings went underground. And um, is there a reason why that December 21st, 2012 was the date when they could then be shared again publicly?
1: Because humanity was at the point where we as a species were ready for this and we needed this. We need this information and all the other information that's coming forward from all the other indigenous healing lines. So, Ayurveda and acupuncture, Chinese medicine, all those other ancient cultures are also coming forward now because humanity needs these techniques in order to find the enlightenment that we're looking for, in order to find consciousness, in order to accept that we're all human beings on this planet together.
0: Yeah. And it's all available right now. And so here we are releasing this episode here on December 21st, 2020, exactly eight years to the day from the supposed end of the world. Well, and in fact, that I think that we can all say that it certainly has been a transition. So you went back the following year. What, what happened when you were there?
1: So. Yeah. Well, so the second time we went, my husband actually went longer than I did because he went to learn more of the Nahuatl language. Okay. There's also a power in that ancient language and bringing that language forward. And so I'm not fluid in it and I, my husband isn't fluid in it either, but there are certain words that have power to them, yeah. that have a different under, underlying energy and to me one of the other places we went was in a cave where they had like a, a hole a of, a tunnel like a telescope because the ancient Nawat were really tuned in to the cycles of the planets the cycles of nature and so with this hole you could actually like moonlight would come down it and it was actually like a telescope Mm, that they could track things. Yeah. And so it hasn't happened yet, but the lineage talks about how in 2021 it's when at Teotihuacan, the pyramids actually line up with the planets and the sun and the energy which is coming together to be even more powerful.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: So, yeah. And with Teotihuacan, there's a certain way in which you walk between the pyramid of the moon, the pyramid of the sun, and then the pyramid of the feathered serpent. When tourists show up, everyone flocks to the pyramid of the sun because it's the biggest. Everyone wants right. to go see the yeah. And yet you need to go from the pyramid of the moon because we're moving from our shadow into our light. So you explore the pyramid of the moon, and we actually walked up and down the stairs in a serpent pattern. Because, like the snake that sheds its skin, we as a species are in this transitional phase. Right. So the the chrysalis, the the cocoon that sheds its outer skin to become the butterfly, the snake sheds its outer skin to rejuvenate itself, and that's what humanity is doing. So, as we yeah. were doing the walking in the pyramids, we were actually doing the doing the techniques to help ourselves heal.
0: Mm. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And and so in 2021, is there a specific date when this energetic alignment occurs with the pyramids?
1: I was trying to remember that. And to me, I think it is in February, but the exact date in February, I'm not
0: positive um. Okay. Yeah. And, and when it happens, I think we're all looking forward to it. And I know some listeners have been to Teotihuacan uh, and uh, that is, it's an amazing, amazing place. So that is really Very interesting, the symbolic healing of the serpent pattern and the representations there. Now, you mentioned that some teachers from this lineage came up to Ontario, where you're from, to teach in Canada. So what was that like? What's going on up there?
1: Well, okay, so there's a couple of hubs in Ontario So some of the teachers have come to Guelph, which is the city I live in. Mm -hmm. Some of them have gone to Owen Sound. And there's been different teachings at different dates and locations. And so um, some of the teaching, it's around your, your birth name. So in terms of, they take your date of birth, month, day and the time of birth and they calculate based on the Aztec calendar okay. what your name in nawat would be my name is tonal Kawat, which is light of the snake healing energy of the snake and so that's one other process we went through they've also brought the lineage of healing with plants and nature
0: mm-hmm. which
1: i would say that Of everything I've learned, like in this moment, that to me is the strongest because I've always had a nature connection. I've been the one who's always wanted to go for the hike and always work in my garden and I'm always outside in my bare feet in the summer. Mm -hmm. And so with, you know, learning more about the indigenous cultures and how they looked at earth, air, fire and water and how you would use it for yourself and healing of others it's been incredibly important. And then asking the wisdom from the plants, asking the plants themselves, what's their wisdom? What do they need to impart? Mm -hmm. What does this person, what is this person ready to learn from this plant? So in the Mashika tradition, it's been very interesting because There's a lot of it that's based on mathematics and understanding the cosmos and understanding our place within this cosmology. And then there's this other part that's so intuitive. It's like, what does this piece of stone have to say to this person or this plant? And using the elements very intuitively versus this very almost logical way of looking at things based on the numbers and the. This, almost a science behind them, and they—they they both have these amazing strengths that sort of come together.
0: Yeah, yeah, that—that's really very interesting. And you mentioned that in, in in your bio is the the healing with the elements and with nature. So these folks are then bringing this. Are they are they coming to other locations all over the world?
1: Some of them have been to Europe Mm -hmm. and I know lots of places in the state, so north, like New York, um, like California. Sort of, there are all kinds of little excursions organized. Uh I'm pretty sure the excursions are on hold right now, (laughs) probably like a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so. They've been to the UK, they've been to the Netherlands and different places in the States. And I'm pretty sure to Brazil and places Mm, in South America. Okay. Italy. So yeah, yeah, our, our teachers have been to many
0: locations. They're making the rounds, I love that. Now, is there a particular name for the healing tradition? How do they call this?
1: The, See, I've never heard any of our teachers using a name other than sort of it's the Mexica tradition. Oh, yeah. The closest I would think would be the Curandismo, mm-hmm. and you could probably pronounce that a lot smoother than I just did.
0: It's a, yeah, curanderismo in, in Spanish, yes, yes. Uh, but, which is a form of, a, a definitely powerful form of healing, absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, my interpretation is that the currentismo is a combination of the ancient Mexican or ancient Central American, South American, that was combined with the European and combined with the African. Influences.
0: I love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's vintage Latin America right there. <laughs> Beautiful. It's a, a total syncretic mix. So yeah, and so if it's just called the Mexica healing tradition, the reason I ask about the, uh, the name for it is because this is not something that is super well known, at least it doesn't get a lot of high profile press.
1: And I, I I, have often wondered if the lack of high-profile fi- high press is deliberate.
0: Mm. It's almost
1: like each individual who's ready for this will find this. It's really about trusting yourself versus the next hype.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I love that. I love that. That may very well be, and based on what, You've told me I can picture people sitting there thinking the same thing. Let's just see who comes to us, see who's ready type thing. So, now how are you incorporating these wisdom traditions into your life and your practice?
1: For me, these wisdoms come into my life sort of every single day in what I do. And when I'm working with clients, they come in for certain people more than others. Mm. And again, it's sort of knowing who's ready for which pieces. Yes. And that if people come and this is their first introduction, sometimes the sessions start with some more basics versus, to me, the Mashikar tradition takes a lot of willpower, a lot of discipline. Because in any of the exercises, if you get out of sync in your cycle, so I'd already mentioned the 13 days on, eight days off repeat, if you get out of your cycle, you have to start from day one. Right. Some of these go 104 days. Some of these go a whole year. Okay. If you miss it, you're starting from day one again. So you like, I know that's why I was like, so in touch with my calendar. It's like today is, you know, I knew the day and I knew what I had to do. And I set aside time. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's very important that you have to be ready to commit. You have to say, I'm unhappy with the old patterns. I don't like the old patterns. They're pulling me down and I keep repeating it. I keep finding the same pattern coming up in relationships, whether it's a friendship Or a love relationship or with a parent or a child it's the same pattern with work with career and it's like okay i can't repeat that pattern anymore i really need to shift this Mm -hmm. so so other traditions like the um east indian tradition also says that you know in order to change a habit or a pattern you have to do something for 40 days right you have to Do a gratitude journal for 40 days or you have to do your affirmations for 40 days. Right. And so that's in this tradition as well. You have to do your meditation for 52 days or 104 days and you have to follow through or it could come back again.
0: Okay, yeah, well, and this is very, very interesting because people think of meditation as something entirely different than what you've been describing 13 days on, eight days off. And you mentioned that you'd tried a number of different modalities. This one is the one that spoke to you. And this this is is very, very cool. I like that they make you repeat the entire cycle if you miss it. So did you ever miss that and have to start over?
1: Okay, so with the first um, meditation that I took out of Sergio's book, that one I completed. That one was like, okay, I'm biting this off, I'm going to do this. Um, We also took some training with the obsidian mirror. And the obsidian mirror is either 13 centimeters or 26 centimeters in diameter, and it's polished volcanic stone. And you use the obsidian mirror to actually see your shadow. And when you actually see the images in the mirror, you do breath work and different techniques to help you become friends with your shadow, understand your shadow, and integrate your shadow. Mm. and so in, and again you would do these techniques when you're going through a big life shift when something would come up and so yes I have had to with the obsidian mirror say okay this is way too intense right now I can't live my life and do this so I need a break and I'll pick it up again Right, okay. so there's always, there's always, you can always give yourself permission to say, Hey, you know, this parent or that friend or something else is going on in the 3D world. Mm-hmm. You know, my spiritual journey needs to take a little break and then I'll come back to it. So, yes, there have been moments when I've just had to say, Okay, I had a human day and I missed it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just so interesting because uh, when people have told me about their own process with meditation, there's often a the sense that I'm not doing this right. I'm doing it wrong. I'm having all of these thoughts going on while I'm supposed to be not thinking, which actually is not the case. But yeah, it's, it's a very, very different, the number of, of healing modalities that are out there in the world. And you mentioned when your teachers have come to Ontario that they have given you all some instruction on waking and sleeping, Dream techniques. I know people are curious about that one.
1: So I love the dream techniques. All right. Because in our dream state, that's when this your unconscious wants to have a dialogue with your conscious. Mm-hmm. So rather than looking at our dreams as just things that happen and we wake up and go about our waking our regular day. Yeah. We can actually plant intentions for what we want to dream about. We can plant intentions for physical healing, emotional healing, mm. um, improving career, improving relationship. We can set intentions to change a problem. When we're stuck on a problem, we can like turn it upside down in our dream state. And in the Mashikra dream states or dream tradition the you use animals you invite animals to come into your dream state to help you with the learning okay and so for the physical healing if you want physical healing you actually ask to dream about snakes because snakes with their shedding the skin and their transformation are one of the animals that are imperative to physical healing okay when I learned this tradition, I had several dreams where snakes were coming in and I'm exploring what they mean for me, what's healing in my physical body. Okay. How is my physical body healing and shifting through these? Mm-hmm. And so um, the spider, you, you ask to dream about spiders when you want to make a web that brings Beneficial things to you.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, and you can dream about the owl when you want wisdom to come in. You can dream about the eagle when you want to become a lucid dreamer or find your own spiritual teacher. Okay. And so all the different animals come in and you ask for them. And again, it's very intentional that every night before sleep, you make sure you have about half an hour in which you want to start planting your dreams and you breathe and you set the intentions and you say your power words to bring what you want into manifestation. So allowing your dream state and your waking state to really come, come together, to really mesh.
0: Yeah. I love this. Okay. Well, and, This is something that that you do then with frequency. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, so if you're able to talk about your most profound realizations with this, what would those be?
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) some of my teachers have said that planting your dreams is the most important thing you ever do and that Ah. you do every single day. Mm. Okay. Okay. So what's my most profound dream realization or most profound realization... Across the board?
0: How about both? Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so when I was talking about asking for snakes to come into my dream state, mm-hmm. one of the dreams I remember really, really clearly, to me it felt like we were actually ba- back in ancient Mexico. Okay. And that there was a ritual being performed in a cave in which... Various types and numbers of snakes came into the dream to help with the physical transformation of myself in that lifetime and in this lifetime. That there was this huge connection between my energy now, the energy in that dream, and the power of the snake, both as my Nawat name and as a being that can really transform who we are. okay, right. And in Western cultures, there's a lot of fear around snakes mm-hmm. because yeah. there are some poisonous snakes, they can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And yet, so for me in my dream, there was no fear. There was no fear of snakes. There was no fear of watching these images transform. It was just this really profound and deep knowing that this was wisdom coming forward.
0: Okay. I love it. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then in my most profound realization from just the techniques in general is that every single person can do this. So that I, who came from the science background, I, who had physical challenges I wanted to heal, I, who had busy mind syndrome, (laughs) that every single human being can do it, including me and including all the listeners. That you just need to say, I'm tired of what's happened up till now, and I want to look at this in a new way. And that to me, regardless of whether it's the mathematics that applies, the connection with the elements, the connection with nature, the connection with the cosmos, any of that really just boils down to if this has piqued your interest, explore more, read more, watch more videos and podcasts Mm -hmm. and just see where it takes you. Just start following it.
0: I love that, okay. Now that that's a, a very profound realization. So I'm glad that's the one that you, you mentioned is that every single person is capable of this. So now in, in your experience with the Meshika tradition, that's been your most profound realization. So what has been your biggest challenge? What was the biggest obstacle that you personally had to work through?
1: For me, the biggest obstacle was overcoming my fear of other people judging me for this.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: When I left the world of science to do energy medicine and holistic healing and indigenous healing, it felt like there was judgment from others, and I knew I was following my heart and my path, And realizing that it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks because that would be me taking it personally. That would be me living my life based on how someone else wants me to live it. And I grew up in a family where it's like, what are the neighbors going to think? And I'm sure we've all heard that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, it's about blending in and fitting in. And it's Mm. like, I don't fit in to anything but my own way of being right now. And so overcoming some of those really old paradigms and those old ways of looking at things has mm-hmm. been huge.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay. And especially given your background, because uh, you have a background in several different scientific disciplines, including toxicology and botany, environmental biology, ecology. There's a lot of science background. Yeah. 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 So now have any of your... No, oh, I was
1: just gonna say, being okay walking my own path.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, I love that. And, and that's a profound lesson that, that we all have to work on is being okay walking our own path. Now, have any of your scientific colleagues followed you into this particular tradition?
1: Um, I, I'm gonna answer the question in a bit more general because when I was in the toxicology lab, there were six of us that started hanging out together, and they've all left. Wow. One of them's a holistic nutritionist now. One went and did Reiki, you know. So, people I hung out with in the science world, there was a group of them that went and explored their own path. Okay. Um, I do know people who have explored the Mashika tradition from mainstream. So people who work for government or consulting who have done this. So yes, it's, it's not there. There's a number of us and I'm pretty sure that most people followed this and found this because everybody was realizing we needed to do something different. Yeah. The path, the trajectory that humanity was on was the lemmings going over the cliff. It was Mm -hmm. leading us down this path that was disastrous. Right. And so, yes, there have been many people who have paused and done various different healing modalities to find their truth.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was just, you know, I'm curious about that because this is something that I I know comes up for people that were raised in a a medical background or a legal background where I come from is that the things like this aren't necessarily seen as uh, beautiful and and wonderful. They're looked at, shall we say, askance. That's going to be my word. Like it's a little bit different, but different is good. Uh, as we've established. Is
1: very good. <laughs> <laughs> very
0: good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, so, and, you know, if that's the, the biggest challenge, uh, you know, what, uh, what would you recommend to people that are, are curious about this particular healing tradition? You know, where for, would you send them?
1: Yeah, for me, I would say trust your heart. Yeah. And if this tradition resonates with you, there's so many resources out there. They can call me and we can just talk about it more. You can find Sergio online. There's that center in Mexico city mm-hmm. where, you know, there's resources there. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz is another teacher who's written tons of books. Okay. Along this lineage, along, you know, finding your own truth and really starting to question everything around you. That's the fifth agreement. So yeah. Follow, like read The Four Agreements, read The Fifth Agreement, start seeing where this takes you.
0: Yes, because there's a lot of information out there. And I'm glad you mentioned Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements and The Fifth Agreement. These are books that a lot of people are familiar with. So if this is the, the, the same, oh, is it the same lineage that, that you're working with or how's it similar?
1: To me, they're connected. Okay. And it's like... They're all under the same big umbrella. They're just slightly different, smaller nuances.
0: I see, okay. Yeah, it's very interesting because those books have done very, very well and are popular worldwide. Uh, You know, a number of people have read them. And so you're, you're encouraging people to take advantage of the material that's out there, which is great. And I would say travel to Mexico as well when we're able to do this, of course. But yeah, here we are recording this in, in 2020, releasing it in same year. So the the center that you mentioned here in Mexico City is Centro Energetico Integral. Um, the Centro Energetico Integral in Mexico City. And by the way, Mexica is spelled just the same way as Mexico, the country, but with an A at the end of the word, instead of an O, Mexica, uh, that's the name of the healing tradition. So, how can people reach you to find out more how they can work with you on this?
1: Okay, people are welcome to phone me. The number is area code 1-519-400-5463, that's in Canada. Okay. Okay. you can find me on Facebook and the internet. My website is myfirstnameandlastname.com. So R-O-X-A-N-A-R-O-S-H-O-N.com. And my email is Roxana at com.
0: Okay. Yes. And these are all kinds of resources that people can take advantage of to take the next step with you personally and find out more information. So again, the phone number plus one, 519-400-5463. If you're calling internationally, you need the plus one that's Canada and dot and Roxana at RoxannaRochon.com. Okay. So I have more questions because we're not done.
1: Okay. Let's
0: I, I, you know, yeah, I thought I, I kind of want to keep going here because I have a couple more things to ask you. I thought we were winding down, but do you have, once we're able to travel, what are your travel plans?
1: Once we were able to travel? Well, okay, so my husband and I have been wanting to go to Mexico to, to Teotihuacan for the February 2021, like, mm. When we were last there, we said, "Okay, that's our goal." When the energies okay. are connecting with the pyramids, yeah. so yes, yeah, we would go back to Mexico City and the area. The mm-hmm. other one of the other areas that entices me is Peru, and we haven't uh, been to Peru yet. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge Andean healing tradition connected to different areas in Peru. And the wisdom from those cultures. Okay. And I have learned bits and pieces of that from other colleagues who have been down to Peru and come back and shared their learning.
0: Mm, I love this. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's been a travel theme lately. Uh, I have to tell you, on the last several episodes that I've recorded, a number of people have just begun talking about. Okay, well, isn't this going to be wonderful when we're able to venture forth again? So, yeah, February 2021 is, is the date of the the alignment, the energetic alignment at Teotihuacan, and uh, very, very interesting stuff here. So before we wrap up, Roxana, this has been a lot of fun. And I've really enjoyed getting to dig deeper into the particulars of this tradition, especially as it's not one of the healing traditions that's super well known outside of maybe Mexico itself and even there. So what uh, what additional words would you have for the listeners here today?
1: Um explore where this needs to take you explore mm-hmm. how you too can heal and find yourself as a whole person that we as a species we're at this cusp when each one of us takes responsibility for our own healing journey our own path in life and that way we can move forward as a species
0: mm-hmm yeah, I think you nailed it. Taking responsibility. That's it. Taking responsibility for our own life. And this is the Meshika healing tradition. And you can find out more about it by visiting Roxana at RoxanaRoshan.com or by giving her a phone call here, plus one, five one nine, four hundred five, four, six, three. So, Roxana, this has been a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: I have really enjoyed this. I always love talking about healing and what we can do individually and collectively. And so it was a pleasure to be here again.
0: Well, thank you again for joining us. This has been Dr. Roxana Roshan. So, check out this show as well as Roxana's previous show, Permission to Laugh, Live, and Have Fun from a few weeks ago here on Decide to Transform. So, it is December 21st today, 2020. So, this is a, a, a very powerful day and a very f- powerful time for all of us. So we hope that you have enjoyed this show here today and we will see you again very soon here on Decide to Transform. Have a great day, everybody.